G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the round 15 review. Well, one of the most hyped rounds of football in years and boy, did it deliver. We're here to tell you all about it and we are here as per usual for Palmer Bet. Get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season thanks to our wonderful sponsors and supporters, Palmerbet. Of course, make sure you gamble responsibly. Well, like I said, it was built up to within an inch of its life, and unlike a lot of those things, it did deliver. We had a fantastic round of footy, significant results, some thrillers, plenty of drama, plenty of controversy, and uh, with me here to run through all of those nine games involved and the ramifications of it all is my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you going, Shorey? Good, and it did, actually. You know, there's always a couple of flat ones, but just let me say that um, Carlton, for mine, that's my personal highlight. The number they did on Fremantle, still with significant players out, has been a... Um, Outstanding performance over one pre-season under Voss. And they've still got a lot of players to come back in. They are going to be a very, very interesting team over the next two months, particularly as I rated Fremantle very highly. And I think I might have tipped Fremantle on the basis of uh, the decimation of the Carlton's back line. So that, to me, was a standout and really did raise some eyebrows around the competition as to how good these blokes could be. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could quite be right. That was arguably the most significant win. Um, yeah. Uh, good game too, although a decisive win to the Blues in the end. But some absolute thrillers. We had four games decided by 11 points or less, uh, including what I think was the game of the season, Geelong-Richmond, and yeah. uh, the final game of the round. And it's not ordinarily a game people would be uh, – raving about, but Port Adelaide Gold Coast was a cork, and we will talk about that in plenty of detail too. We do this thing chronologically, though, and that means winding the clock back all the way to Thursday night with a top-of-the-table clash. Let's revisit that one. On Footyology, wrap around. Round 15 kicked off at the MCG Thursday evening, top-of-the-table clash. Melbourne up against Brisbane. Uh, Melbourne been struggling, lost three in a row without their skipper, Max Gorn. But, boy, did the Demons come surging back into business with an emphatic win over a disappointing Brisbane lineup. The final score, 16-21-117, smashing Brisbane, just 7-11 53. The goal kickers for the Demons, three to Fritch, two to Harms, two to Jordan, two to Pickett, two to Bedford. Singles the rest. And for the Lions, the only multiple goal kickers, two to Hipwood, 
and two to Robinson. Well, Rob, the Lions actually started the better, didn't make the most of some early opportunities. Mr. Jay Danaher uh, missing a couple he could have kicked, but from quarter time onwards, it was the Demons in a canter. Six goals to one in that second quarter, giving him a five-goal break up by half time, and uh, just continued on from there. They were terrific. Could have even won by more in the finish. Uh, Stephen May back and uh, played really well for them. Jack Viney, terrific. Petrarca, Oliver, all the usual suspects were there. Uh, very disappointing by the Lions. What did you think of this one? Yeah, um, <clears throat> they they looked okay early, the Lions, and that's why I tipped them. I thought they might have been a bit sharper for them and Melbourne weren't in that great of form. But, the, Rowan, this turned into a very concerning game for Brisbane on the back of the final last year where they were physically swamped again. So, unfortunately, they're getting a rod for their own back here. Melbourne have got their measure and it turned into an assault and it turned into a physical intimidation and the... Um, the Brisbane Lions side didn't like it. It was led by Viney with 19, who stood up in the absence of Gorn, not in the ruck, but as the leader. He had 19 contested possessions. And, of course, Luke Jackson, who generally plays oh, 35, 75, uh, ruck forward pocket, he had 21 possessions and nine tackles. So they were the two initiators, <coughs> pardon me, initiators of, of the Melbourne domination. It was, uh, it was a really tough performance from the Demons, wasn't it? And conversely, and one of my reservations about Brisbane those past few years has remained that toughness. Are they tough enough? And not just, I don't mean man on man, I mean tough enough to win on a midwinter's Melbourne evening, you know, where they, it's, it's damp, it's cold, it's slippery. Are they up for it? And uh, well, well not, not since 2014, as you so eloquently put. Um, we're heading towards 10 years of not being up to it on this venue. Yep, and uh, it's, it's not insignificant, isn't it, given it's no, the it's ven not. venue at which the grand final, uh, unlike the last two years, will again be played and won or lost. So it is very significant. Um, and I think Melbourne, I've said this a bit, the, the beauty of Melbourne is that they are a very tough and very strong side but they've also a very skillful side. You know, they they deliver well by foot. Uh, the problem over the last month has been their forward set up, but I thought it it ticked over uh, uh, very effectively again this time. I thought Fritch was really good for them up for and gave them a target. Um, uh, Tom McDonald may not come back, but uh, gee, Luke Jackson, he's had plenty of focus on him with all that attention about. Uh, potential massive offers from WA. Well, wow, he might have put another naught on that contract with this performance because he was terrific. <laughs> and he really, look, he had to stand up in the absence of Gorn and he did it really well. Look, I've got to say, I was always pretty confident the Demons were going to bounce back at some stage. Um, and they did. And it, it's like, it feels like normal transmission was resumed, didn't it? Well, yeah. And anything to do with the so-called tough stuff, Rowan, Clearances, they won comfortably, 46 to 35, and the contested possessions, they were plus 37. So they really peeled it back to what the basics were. They played like Melbourne. Uh, the second quarter set the scene. And, uh, you know, if 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 the um, Lions were to have a chance, uh, they didn't take it early, which might have given the 
a little bit of impetus their way. But uh, that's a good solid performance by uh, by Melbourne based on the based on their uh, the way they play. Based okay, on well, their uh, their template. Let me ask you this then: but it's yep. hard, it's hard to become uh, a tough side or a tougher side overnight. What 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 do Brisbane do in order to? Uh, oh, toughness is mindset. Okay, we've seen it wrong. We went yep. from the marshmallows to a tough outfield outfit. Um, I've lived that with Essendon. You know, yeah, yeah. no disrespect, the marshmallows to one of the most feared, toughest sides. But having said that, that team did have individual toughness in Hardwick, Solomon, the Johnsons, those sort of blokes. I'm not sure they have. Well, Mitch I'm Robinson, not sure they have either. Beyond Robinson. Mitch Robinson, well, who, who it just else? had to be brought out. I'm using the Essendon one that was there. It had to be brought out. I'm not sure it's there. Apart from Mitch Robinson, who's an ageing veteran now, who's a willing participant... Um, this is a very, very skillful uh, side. Um, I'm not sure it's their own. A lot of it is mindset. There's no doubt about that. But they haven't got anyone they can move around and put in positions. They've got a very skillful uh, half-forward line, haven't they? Charlie yeah, it's Cameron, like all, all, the ri- all the riches are loaded close to goal, aren't they? Yeah, and through the midfield with McCluggage. Yeah. Zorko didn't get to the line. Um and they need Rich dominating, who's not a contested ball player. He's a ball user. Mm. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Look, they'll get they'll probably win their first final. Well, will they? I think they're they're in the the top four, Brisbane. Mm. But you can see, I tell you what, they've got a bit of work to do the next two months. You can see why they go out in straight sets sometimes, can't well, you? Yeah, you can. Anyway. You, you can. Uh, okay, what's on the agenda for them next week? Well, they are uh, part of Thursday night football again next week. This time it's at home. That'll be a welcome relief. It is, however, up against the Western Bulldogs, who we know right. are a very capable side. So that will test them. That is next Thursday evening at 7.20 p.m. Uh, Melbourne. They make a trip to Adelaide Saturday afternoon, twilight, in fact, 4.35pm Eastern Standard Time. Melbourne takes on the Crows at Adelaide Oval. Of course, that was uh, where they dropped their first game of last year in a thriller by a point, but dare say you can have some lengthy odds on there being a repeat of that. All right, so it was 1v2 and a very decisive win to the Demons. That was Thursday evening and uh, Friday night we had a double header. Let's talk about that. Marvel Stadium was the setting for the first of two Friday night games. Uh, this one between the Western Bulldogs and Hawthorne. In the end, a very decisive win to the Bulldogs by seven goals, no less. The final scores, Western Bulldogs 19-11-125, defeating Hawthorne 12-11-83. The goal kickers for the Doggies, three to Norton, three to Riley West, uh, very handy up forward, two to Johannesson, two to Dunkley, two to Shackey, singles the rest. Good spread of goal kickers there. In fact, I'm counting 12. For the Hawks, four to Mitch Lewis. He is having a really good season. Three to Luke Bruce, two to Moore. Singles, the rest. Well, they started slowly, the Doggies. Uh, the Hawks certainly uh, had the better of the early going. In fact, they were 26 points up midway through 
the second quarter. But one man clicked the doggies into action. That man was Tom Liberatore. Fantastic around the contest. Turned the tide almost single-handedly, it seemed, there for a while, to the extent that the dogs not only got on a roll, once they broke the ice, they kicked 13 straight goals before the Hawks managed to respond. Um, bit of a free-for-all in the last quarter. In fact, 14 goals kicked in the last quarter, seven apiece. That would be the highest scoring. I forgot to look, but that would be surely one of the <laughs> highest scoring quarters AFL footy has seen for That's old. usually one of my questions, Ron. Yeah, hey, well, Rowan. Yeah, when was well, the highest scoring? <laughs> I don't know, Robert, but I will look yeah, it up righto. at some hey. stage. Oh, well, that's good. 13 goals in a row, mate. Yeah, the Hawks were quick. It's very similar to the Brisbane game. Uh, in a way, very good start, sharp. Um, the Hawks, quick, worried them with their pace and had a very good focal point in Mitch Lewis up in forward. But you, you're absolutely right. Most of my discussion is based around Tom Limbratore. He well, he's, having, he's, yeah, he's ended up with 30 disposals, 11 clearances. Go on. He he was superb in close, releasing those players, letting them run. They're winning without Bailey Smith. And, of course, Riley West has come out and given one of the great impressions of Mitch Wallace you would ever want to see, hasn't he? Like Mitch was doing that role, that sort of full forward, forward pocket, um, a hybrid sort of forward, Um for a couple of years, and uh, West has been languishing in the VFL for a number of years, gets his chance. Well, one of the beauties, I guess, of the Bulldogs having the extent of midfield depth they do is that players have to develop other strings to their bow, don't they? Because they cannot all go through the midfield. And that previously has cost West game time. In fact, it's cost him a spot in the team. But if he can now supplement their midfield ability by being able to kick a goal... Uh, as a small pressure forward, um, then he's probably going to stay in there, isn't he? And they've got – think how many players they've got like that. I mean, Josh Dunkley sort of started off as that pressure forward, didn't he? And he sort of grew more into a midfielder. Um, uh, you know, the Bont uh, swings between midfield and goes forward. Yeah. Um, they've got so many guys that can play multiple positions and uh, West might have just – made himself indispensable by being able to kick a goal. The other thing I like about it, and it includes Western Waitman, but maybe they will settle down with Jamara Ulhagen, Shacky, and Norton. Maybe that will be their three-pronged attack. Um, oh, question without notice. I forgot, Rowan, I should know. English and injury, or was that concussion again? I can't. Uh, what was he missing for? Okay, he, uh, yeah, delayed concussion. I'm sorry, it was delayed concussion. What yours or his? It was his. Oh, not yours. That was a joke. No, no, yeah, it sounded <laughs> like mine, didn't it? Yeah, I just had a memory loss. Delayed concussion. So he comes back in for sweet, but I, I, I'm I'm very confident in the, they'll keep with those three tools. Then they've got Western Waitman at ground level. Johannesson can kick two. And they've got the flexibility that you spoke about, Dunkley pushing forward, Bontempelli pushing forward. And and Libba's not shy at having a shot. He's a very efficient kick for goal. And we have covered a lot of the Western Bulldogs. So how'd you see the Hawks, mate? I thought they were everything we thought they were. And then they're everything we know they're not, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Oh, look, I, I, I think it's seven out of eight they've lost now. Or uh, eight yeah. out of nine. Oh, well, see, that's not good. 
No, it's not. No, well, no, I, I was, but, yeah, go on. Yeah, you keep going. You, well, you no, keep thanks. Going. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say they're, they're one of the better sides we've seen in fifteenth spot on the ladder now, four and ten. Uh, and like I said, they've lost eight of their last nine, but uh, they've lost a couple narrowly in a couple in a row narrowly. I mean, this season they've lost to Collingwood by a kick, they've lost to Carlton by a kick, they've lost to Fremantle by a couple of goals in Perth. You know, I mean, even the loss to Essendon, which looks terrible. I mean, that was off the back of one quarter, really. Well, let's uh, give them let's give them plus two, Rowan. So, what yeah. are they? Six and eight. Yeah, that's probably where a lot of I people would have had them. Yeah, so they've dropped a couple of real close ones. Six and eight would have put them up the ladder a bit, and uh, uh, yeah. Do we yeah, cut them any? Do we cut them any slack oh. for being? A young side is that why uh, they are prone to being scored against heavily, or is that too, I, I think too easy? They, an uh, can't maintain. They can't maintain their run. They've got enough experience in there. They've got two solid contributors in the centre bounce. They've had problems with their ruck all year. They've only just got Ned Reed's shoulders back into the team. Finally, McAvoy's on the horizon. I, I, I just think pace worries them. Newcomb's yeah. going to finish in the top three of the Rising Star. Uh, and the jury's always out on on Mitchell's capacity to run and spread with these quick midfields. I think uh, one Libra, of, Libra took them to the cleaners, mate. I think one of their issues, the Hawks this season, anyway, is they've had seem to have had trouble getting all the key players a on the park at the one time, the b playing well at the one time. Now Warple has has had shocking form yeah. issues. He he's come good though. Like I thought he was pretty good for him. He had twenty five. He had seven clearances. I think Scrimshaw is standing up for them. But they sort of need everyone on the same page at once, don't they? And it seems like, you know, McAvoy, they'll look back on McAvoy or people that aren't familiar with Hawthorne will look back on McAvoy and go, gee, that was a massive loss. Didn't seem to attract much attention at the time, but it was a big loss uh, in terms of not only capacity in the ruck, but leadership. And, you know, he plays in the ruck. That frees, well, Ned Reeves gets to do the job he sort of should be doing, uh, and it flows on down from there. And that's, a, that's I guess, the case with a lot of sides with a lot of youth about them. But I, I, I still overall think they're headed in the right direction. I don't think they've got too yeah, much. Yeah, I haven't that. changed that one little bit. It's just uh, it's a it's a hard world. Okay, Eight quick, out of nine. quick question. I just want a very yeah. quick answer from you. Are the Bulldogs anything for other finalists to worry about? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think um, they've pushed up into uh, eight, seven. They're about six on the ladder now. They're eighth. Um, eight, sorry. Oh, with the other wins, sorry, that have come. If they keep the balance at their forward line and uh, – but as you said, they, they, they've got this good flexibility through the midfield. They can mm. throw it around. I think that can keep them in the hunt, Rowan. All right. Uh, what have those sides got next week? The Hawks, uh, they are up against the Giants at Giants Stadium. That one is on Sunday afternoon at 3.20. And uh, the Doggies, as I said before, they are playing Thursday night footy up at the Gabba against Brisbane, 7.20 p.m. All right, that game was in Melbourne under the roof. And uh, a little bit later on on Friday evening, we had the second leg of a doubleheader in Perth. Well, no doubt two of the most disappointing sides of 2022 have been West Coast and Essendon. 
They played each other in Perth. Essendon coming off a rare win. West Coast coming off a vastly improved performance, even in defeat against Geelong. What would happen? Well, the Eagles notched up just their second win of the season by 10 points over the, again, disappointing Bombers. The final scores, West Coast 16-11-107, defeating Essendon 14-13-97. The goal kickers turning the clock back. Josh Kennedy, five goals to the bearded veteran, three to Jamie Cripps, three to Willie Rioli, two to Darling, two to Flying Liam Ryan, and singles, uh, well, one single to Waterman. For the Bombers, four to Wright, three to Stringer, two to Guelphie, two to Martin, two to Jones, and a single to Perkins. Well, uh, credit where it's due, Rob. Uh, the Eagles have been improving over the last few weeks, got some key personnel back, and uh, didn't start well. In fact, Essendon really didn't make the most of their opportunities, could have almost had a... Uh, well, a game-defining lead, but left the door ajar and the Eagles came charging through it. Uh, they were incredibly efficient where Essendon was inefficient. Uh, Essendon's defence was, uh, let's not uh, mince words here, absolutely appalling, loose, and uh, the Eagles did a number on them defensively. Uh, we're about four goals up. A couple of late ones to Essendon might have uh, flattered them a little bit. But uh, you look at some of the key stats in this game and think, how could this result have come to be? Well, the Eagles were efficient where Essendon weren't. The Eagles were able to defend where Essendon weren't. And uh, look, given how poor the Eagles have been at times this year, this is a shocking loss by Essendon. But like I said, credit where it's due, good win for the Eagles. Well, this was Rowan's certainty of the week. And I say that with uh, all seriousness, tongue in cheek. Why? Why did this happen? Uh, uh, you just said it, the ability to defend the ground again. The old chestnut keeps rearing its head. Team defence, organising the ground. 27... Sh- Shots for goal, the West Coast Eagles, from only 42 entries. Basically, every time it went forward, they had a shot. Yeah. So that's not youth, that's not injury, that that system. Um, and it also, you know, I'm not sure about the two. I, I know Stuart hurt his calf or his ankle, but I'm not sure about the two ruckmen over there in a Nick Natanui-less West Coast Eagles side. And, and this rush to bring players back, Rowan, yeah. I don't understand it. Snelling was poor. Yeah. He's a worker. He needs work. He needs a month in the seconds, right, because he's not Mark Mercury. I'm not sure what the what the issue is. I know they lost McGrath and they probably wanted to keep the, the um, senior experience up. Well, Snelling's played one year. But Langford was okay. Yeah. But... Um, uh, a, and going over there, travelling, I know he's a whipping boy, but Ham was very good last week. His combination on a wing with McGrath gave Essendon run and pace and quickness. That They became a slow side in the you know, West. You know, you, you just said something there which sort of made me almost inadvertently start laughing, and it was like we're talking about Will Snelling like he's a senior key figure in that side. I mean, that says plenty about where Essendon's at, doesn't it? And and there's no disrespect to him. He's done really well since being picked up in a mid-season draft. But the fact that he is seen as being so important to this side 
is it commenting on how bloody weak the list is, to be perfectly frank? Yeah, a, a, an honest, loyal, hardworking journeyman, good player, um, good, good, honest player, finished third in the best and fairest rowing. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that, that... And, and we are not, we, I admire him for mm. his, for his capacity to work, but you're right, you know, straight into the side as though, um, I, I understand Langford. Langford's wing, he's centre, he's forward. He's a very important co But we shouldn't be on about Snelling. Um, a couple of other things that happened. The week before, Guelphie did a great job on Sinclair and kicked two goals on him. This week, he's played more wing half forward and Essendon let Yo go. Yeah. So he had a yo-yo. Well, there's always one opposing defender they seem to let go, isn't there, and who has a picnic as a result. Yeah. I just so, want, I, I want to ask you one quick one about an Essendon player, and then we, we do yeah. need to talk about West Coast. Zach Merritt. Now, he's had 28 disposals, but I reckon he's starting to have high possession games with very little impact on the game. I think he needs his combination, mate, there. Um, the clear – the, the parish, the clearance factor with parish and his relationship with Merritt is very important. I thought Merritt was lost, a little bit lost, didn't hurt the opposition. It's been the critis criticism of him, um, uh, score involvements, getting the ball inside 50 and, and um, making his left foot a real weapon for, for Essendon. Essendon have conceded 100 points again um, and, of course, it's quite interesting. Kennedy gets played back into form. Rioli and Cripps haven't kicked a goal for ages. They get back into form. It, unfortunately, Rowan, it's symptomatic. My worry about Essen was the mental toughness issue to back it up. You were very confident West Coast would win, and unfortunately um, it came to fruition yeah, exactly well, as, it, as everyone thought it would play out, and that raises a question in itself. I would have liked to well, have been wrong. Let's talk, just, we we, we would love to be wrong. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, let's talk about West Coast. Well, they uh, lost McGovern and Barras, Barras and um, uh, uh, Bazo. They had real trouble early with um, the big fella with Wright, but but they worked it out and uh, they got away with it. That with their experience around the flanks and the back line and their intercept players eventually got on top of Wright. My question is obviously. They're wrapped to have won a game. You know, it's just been a season from hell for them for a number of reasons. I wonder if I'm not trying to nitpick here, but I wonder how happy they would be though, because it is a game. Looking, for instance, at their best players. Here's West Coast best players as named on the AFL website: Kennedy, Rioli, Cripps, Yo, Shuey, Darling, Duggan. I'm not seeing a lot of fresh blood there, Rob. No, so, and compared to the side that they played at, even though Essendon's youngsters did have a a down day, um, you're right. You're absolutely spot on. Uh, you're rolling out the same numbers you've rolled out for years now, and uh, and unlike Essendon, who were the losing team, uh, there's no sprinkling of youth appearing in those uh, 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 those best players, and it is an indication. And and uh, what youth they they do um, field in that side, it doesn't seem to have much continuity. It doesn't seem to have much impact. I mean, there's no one over the last couple of years who's come into that West Coast side that you've looked at and gone, "Wow, this kid's going to be a star," is it? I mean, it really isn't. They've been sort of in and out of the side. There are a few guys last year who seemed to do a 
a bit who haven't been part of it this year. I mean, look, Oscar Allen, to be fair, Oscar Allen's a great prospect, but uh, he, he literally hasn't played this year. No. I mean, so okay. I'd, I'd certainly put him on the list, but there's not too many to go with him. So I look at this result for West Coast and I think, well, you know, where do they go from here? You know, do you, is this what you really want out of the rest of the year to to salvage a few wins on the back of your veterans or do you need to be sort of a Well, they're going to get more? stronger because Nick Natanui at, what, 33, Rowan? Yeah, yeah. He's going to come back in next week. Yeah. Um, well, some interesting uh, selection decisions, uh, I think, for uh, Adam Simpson to ponder. All right, next week for either club, uh, the Bombers. They have got a MCG clash against Sydney Saturday afternoon, 1.45 p.m. West Coast on the road. They are coming to Melbourne on Sunday afternoon, 2.10 p.m. to play Richmond. A pretty tough ask for both these teams. They will be up against it. All right, that was Friday night football. Three massive games to play on the Saturday. Let's chat about them. First of a big Saturday trifecta involved Carlton and Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. Great tests of both these teams, and it was a test won decisively in the finish by the Blue Baggers by 31 points. The final scores: Carlton 12, 9, 81, defeating Fremantle 7, 8, 50. The goal kickers, four to Charlie Kerno. What an excitement machine he is. The Peter McKenna of the uh, the twenty twenties, Rob. The uh, the the um, roar of the crowd when the ball goes near him is pretty exciting. Four to Kerno, two to Cottrell, two to Harry Mackay, two to O'Brien. Singles the rest for the Dockers. Just the one multiple goal kicker, and that was Matt Tabiner who kicked two. Well, Freo kicked the first three goals in this game, and uh, must admit I was thinking mm, I might have got this tip wrong. Carlton promptly slammed on the next five and pretty much dominated, firstly, field territory, but then on the scoreboard as well. Why I mentioned field territory is because I made a particular note of the inside 50 count at halftime, and it was 37 to just 18. And also one of the great individual games of the season from young Sam Walsh, still just 21. What a... Career best game this was, 40 disposals, which included 13 contested possessions. He was great, but then his whole side was great. They play exciting footy, Rob. Their crowd respond to it. There was a real buzz around this side in this game. And uh, I must say, I was very envious of the Carlton Hordes because they have really got something to be excited about. Well, he's changed this around in the preseason, has Vossi and... Um... It's been a marvellous coaching performance. Um, I'm not going to go down this path, but they really reviewed their club heavily. They made the they made the adjustments on and off the field. They went recruiting, and 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 they built this on a, a great system. We hear process and system, and 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 stick to it the way we play. Uh, they didn't have Chera, Wietering, Williams, Pitanay, and one other. Like they had five starting eighteen, and these McGovern. aren't just sorry McGovern. Oh gee, of oh, us oh, McGovern and McDonald. Mm. Now all those players started in the first eighteen, right when they're fit. So that's a third of their side out, and they stand up, and they've done it on the back of some very uh, look. 
we know how Sard and Doherty play. They build their game from the back and they attack from the back. They get it inside 50 and then they defend the ball inside there. Uh, Sard and Doherty had 60 possessions and 20 marks between them. They were devastating off halfback. And I'll tell you what, Justin Longmuir didn't do his homework well enough. And they, they were in a really good patch of form, Frio. Um, where were they on the ladder? Third or fourth? They're right up there. Third. And uh, I selected them to the win based on the fact that I didn't think Carlton could hold them out. And not only have they held them out, they've won by 31 points. Two two big forwards kicked six goals for. 64 inside for. 50s to 40, they dominated clearances and they absolutely smashed them in the centre clearances, 14 to 5. You know, I want to run this one by I was watching them and I was thinking, they are exciting to watch, but it doesn't mean they're all about attack. Now, Voss has come in and he's really worked on that contested game and their hardness at the footy. and But that, this is the big thing, Rob, that is a springboard to them being an attacking side to wit. Uh, here's some key stats out of the game. Yeah. Carlton won the clearance count by 14. They won the tackle yeah. count by 10. As a result, they won the inside 50 count by 24. But I look at Carlton and I, and I say, what, what sort of team are Carlton? Well, they're a fast, hard-running, attacking team they can score. But it's off the back of defence. Some sides seem to use defence as a springboard for attack a lot better than others. And I think the biggest feather in Voss's and Carlton's cap this year is being able to do that. They are a very good defensive team, but it is defence that is used as a springboard to offence, not just defence for defence's sake. And they don't panic, Rowan. This is this was the phase of their game. They were behind, so they lock down, they grind away, they absorb pressure, they regain composure, and they go away with it. So they've got about four or five different phases to their game. You know, they know they're in trouble. You're three down. So what do we do? Let's just hang in and grind. Let's absorb it. Let's regain our composure. And then when we get back on level terms, they go for it. It's it's a very, very good um, testimony to the work they've put in. Saad, Newman, Doherty, they're the keys to it. And what what sides wouldn't love Colonel Mackay inside fifty for your team? Yeah, and don't forget Mackay. Mackay's missed a lot of footy. He missed yeah. a month of footy, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think given um, the sort of injuries they've had to deal with, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful perfor- performance by them all season. It really has. What, what about Freo? Now, oh, just, uh, you know, mm. you're talking to someone that's been a bit of a Freo sceptic. I, I have. Well, keep been, going then. Keep going. Tell us why. Well, because I early on in the season, I, I didn't think they were dynamic enough. I thought they were, you know, winning a lot of games with, you know, gritty performances. I think they can be a bit uh, accident prone, if you like. You know, they sort of butcher opportunities a bit too much. Um, I wouldn't have said, look, you know, traditionally, I, I would look at a game like this and say, oh, they're just no good on the road. I think they've managed to turn that round to an extent. But this was more like the free eye of old. And, look, one of the reasons I did I did tip Carlton, and I did say this in the preview, was that Freo had won at Marvel already this season against Essendon. But if you remember that game, it was a game in which they really broke clear late. You know, there were periods in that game where Essendon 
until quite late, despite playing terribly, was still very much in the hunt. And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, gee, it's a bit of a battle, you know. You're going to need to be really switched on to beat Carlton the way Carlton are going in Melbourne now. Are you good enough to do that? And I just, just had my doubts. So I don't know. Are they a top four side? They've got... You've got a few rivals for top four status now, haven't they? Melbourne, Brisbane, Geelong, um, uh, and Carlton. Carlton. And Carlton. Uh, you know, this, I mean, this might be the loss that costs Freo a top four spot. And I will say this if they are to be any chance of winning a flag, I think they would have to have a top four slot to do it. And you've got to remember that, um, yeah, the, the, I think the difference, I, I, I matched them up pretty well with Carlton. At when both are at full strength, they play a very similar game. Long Longmuir has tried to develop the similar patterns to what Carlton did, um, but the main difference for me is is the explosiveness and the capacity to build from the back through Sard and Doherty. Mm. It's a significant difference. You sort of said Fremantle might be a bit of one pace coming out of the back line. You know, they've got a terrific midfield, although Walsh, you know, Brody got 36. There's Sarongs in there. There's some very good players in there. Monday, Fife's back into the side. Um, it, it makes us win an extraordinarily good performance, Rowan, given those names they're up against and who Carlton had out. Yeah, no, absolutely terrific win. Can they follow it up? Well, they next Friday evening, uh, part of Friday night footy, the Blues, they are taking on St Kilda, uh, who we'll get to, but given their recent form, you'd think Carlton are going to start warm favourites in that one, 7.50pm Friday evening. And the Dockers, they've got their work cut out for them. They're back at home, uh, the last game of round 16, in fact, 5.20pm Eastern oh. time. Yeah, I know. Am I waiting for you? We're we're doing our preview at what? 8.30 at night. uh, I'll be happy. Yeah, it's a review, you mean. It's going to be a late one. Uh, Anyway, they they play Port Adelaide at Oxford. Oh, dear. So it will be a big game and a lot riding on that one. Let's see how they bounce back the Dockers. All right, massive Saturday footy. That was the first of a great trifecta and the second game. Well, what an epic this one was. Well, Geelong and Richmond have had some uh, big stakes clashes, three finals over the last five years. Uh, This one, very much worthy of a final. Uh, In my mind, clearly the best game of 2022. It was an absolute ripper and it ended up in a three-point win to the Cats, 13-11-89, defeating Richmond in a titanic struggle, 13-8-86. The goals, three to Stengel. I think that is the sixth time he's kicked three goals in the game this year. Three to Cameron, two to Henry, including the match winner, singles the rest. Four to Tigers, three to Bolton, three to Lynch, two to Morris Rioli Jr., singles. The rest, well, what do you say about this game? There's so much you can say about it. Geelong dominant early, 20 inside 50s to nine at quarter time. They were absolutely dominant. Could have probably led by more, uh, despite being 20 points up at the first change. Richmond came back with a flyer, though, particularly in the third quarter, uh, in which they kicked 5-4 to the Cats' solitary goal. 
They then added another couple at the start of the last quarter and by that stage led by 17 points after having trailed by 35. They'd kicked 10 of the last 12 goals. But then the game swung <laughs> again. I mean, we might as well run through the narrative. Keep the going, keep going. Goals to Stengel, to Close, yes. and to Jeremy Cameron, put Geelong in front. Back came Richmond. Morris Rioli Jr. converted with just two minutes left on the clock to put Richmond three points up. And you thought, they're going to get there, the Tigers. But no, Geelong went forward again. And Jack Henry took a fantastic contested mark, converted the result. Uh, three points up the Cats with one minute 14 left on the clock. They were able to see out time from that moment on and won a famous victory. Now, I'll put this one to you as well in your first comments because the obvious talking point, I did want to talk about the game, but obviously everyone yeah. talking about Tom Stewart's uh, KO of Dean Prestia, very ugly looking incident indeed. It has been referred as expected, straight to the tribunal. He will be getting, well, no less than you'd think three games, probably more. Um, I made the mistake of tweeting about it and off the top of my head said, uh, well, it's got to be at least a couple and immediately got crucified for saying only a couple. But yeah. it, did, it did inspire some angry reactions. Uh, so I'll ask you your thoughts on that one. And uh, can I were. just, I know this is more news, yeah. but... What was the angry? What was the theme of angry reaction? Uh, uh, you only said two games. Correct. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, this is a three to five. Yeah, I, I know. Can I just yeah. say though, for those people yeah. listening who did game me on Twitter, apart from saying get stuffed, I will also say I was tweeting ten seconds after it happened, and I said yeah, I it was terrible. Look, it's got to be, and I just said it's got to be at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be more than a couple of weeks, but. Like, I don't think I'm uh, public enemy number one because I said it's going to be at least a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, anyway. that was um, – that, let, that let, uh, Okay, just give me let, – let's oh. – I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about the game. So tell me, how many weeks will he get and how many weeks should he get? Uh, four and four. Okay, good. Now, tell us what you thought of the game. Well, it was mesmerising, wasn't it? Um, like – you just gave it away, led by 35 points. And Richmond, with without Prestia, who has probably been their best player since coming back from those hamstring issues, and they look to have gone, by the way, which is a great thing for them. It's a 52 turnaround without him, 52-point turnaround. It's a great testimony, A, to Geelong for the way they started, but Richmond's character and fight to get back in there and the players like like the Boltons, like the Martins, um, that came came to the party. Like Jack Rewald had to go under the ruck, you know, to give Nan Curva. So everyone lifted. It was great character to see them. Interesting stat, Rowan, as you've already said, the Cats booted seven of the first nine and four of the last five. So they had these two phases and in between – it was an absolute war of well, ten, Richmond fighting back. Ten of ten of twelve Richmond in between those two runs. Yeah, yeah. What an extraordinary stat. Um, some really good matchups. Um, this young kid is my. I know Lynch kick finished with three. Was it or two? Three. You in the goal kicking? Three. That's not a bad effort. I, I've still got this kid, um, De Koning. Leading the not the rising star, he gets these blokes all the time. 
Yeah. And I know we've discussed midfield and wing versus fullback, but um, he's been an extraordinary uh, um, contributor in this very, very worrying position for Geelong. And yeah. it's allowed them to do things with young Henry. And wasn't that ironic that he was in the back line? Colin Jasney initially had Rewalt to Conning on Lynch, and it just gives him a bit of flexibility with Jack Henry to throw him through. And, of course, the consistent um, Stengel, again, is that six times by three? I, I reckon six, Well, wow. yeah. And Charlie Cameron means that uh, big Jack Hawkins can have a night off. Uh, Tarrant was very good with him. Jeremy Cameron. He, uh, Jeremy Cameron. What did I say, Charlie? You did. Well, that's all right. They're both called Cameron. Go on. Don't don't worry about it. Go that's on. why I just say Cameron. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, they control they controlled Hawkins, and yet these two bob up again. Um, all right, quick question. Yeah, keep going. It's, so it's so much to cover. Yeah, I know. You well, just can't I, you can't cover it all. I'm going to throw some questions at you, Geelong. Yeah, a second on the ladder. Are they the second best team in the competition? Uh, no, they're in the top four. And what I like about them. Um, when they're under pressure, and this is unlike Chris Scott in the past, because he's just gone Guthrie, Dangerfield, Selwood. His centre bounce was Cameron and Atkins. Mm. And he's found a sentiment in Atkins. And if you ask me, Shuri, yep, I haven't seen Geelong all the time. I've seen a lot of them. What's the difference? He's prepared to be creative with positional play and not just run the same three through the midfield. Okay. Bigger, more controversial question. Well, will be when you hear my answer to it, but I'm going to ask you first. Richmond are ninth on the ladder. Are they in the best four teams in the competition? Uh, no, they're the fifth and sixth best team in the competition. They're both. Okay. I don't know how that works, but okay. Um, no, they're, they're, they're not seven and eight. Yeah. I haven't got them in the top four, so yeah. that means they're either fifth or sixth. It, it didn't make sense to you, Rowan? Uh, oh, sort of. Yeah, no, I knew what you, you were getting they're at. Mi- they're middle of the eight. Okay. I reckon they are in the best four teams in the competition when when all personnel are there. Now, you touched on it. They've done That's this. very good of you. They have done this. It'll mean a lot to them. They have done <laughs> this without Prestia. They have done yes. this without Bolter. They have done this without Lambert. Uh, they have done okay. this with Dusty and Rewalt not exactly firing on all cylinders. The, they have got so much upside still. If, I mean, if they ever manage to get their best 22 on the park, and that's been a factor, and maybe they won't. But uh, I just looked at their draw for the run home too, and people will start saying, well, they're ninth. You know, you've got to get in the eight. No, I did that too, and it, it's, a, it's a nice draw, well, isn't yeah, it, Ron? Which I'm about to rattle off. This is go their through. draw for the remainder of the season. They've got, I'll do the win-loss for you as okay. you go. West Coast at the MCG. Win. Gold Coast at Metricon. Win. North Melbourne at Marvel. Win. Fremantle at Marvel. Uh, we uh, win Brisbane at the MCG. Oh, Brisbane at the MCG. Win Port Adelaide at Adelaide. Loss Hawthorne at the MCG. Loss. Okay. Uh, Essendon at the MCG. Win one, two, three, four, five, six out of eight. Don't All worry right. about who I said. Yeah. They're going to go six and eight. In they, my they, opinion, they're going to go six and two. You mean? 
out of the last eight. Yeah, they are. That'll get them in. What are they? How many wins right now? They are, um, hang on, eight. 14 wins. 14 Which will get you in. You're going to get you fifth or six, as I said. All there right. You go. Um, okay. I might even win seven out of eight. All right. What's what, going on? Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> what's going on is we're wrapping up this game. Let's talk about next week. Uh, the Tigers, uh, well, here's a win. They've got West Coast at the MCG next Sunday afternoon, 2.10 p.m. Geelong, here's a win. They have North Melbourne at GMHBA Stadium, 7.25 Saturday evening. In fact, that could be decidedly ugly, oh. you'd think, based on current form. All right. Will that be the TV? That be live to the public, that one? Will it? Uh, that won't be the Channel 7 game. The Channel 7 game will be Gold Coast and Collingwood, um, but it'll be live on KO. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, right, right. Uh, absolute epic contest between the Cats and the Tigers, but there was still one important game left on Saturday in Sydney. Let's discuss that one. And the evening fair on a big Saturday of footy was at the SCG, two sides in the eight. Two sides coming off last-up losses and needing a win badly to shore up their final spots. I'm talking about Sydney's clash with St Kilda, which in the end resulted in a very decisive 51-point win to the Swans over a very disappointing St Kilda. The final scores, 12-11-83, defeating the Saints, just four goals, eight, 32. The goals... Four the Swans, three to Heaney, two to Clark. And you that name in Sydney's goals too often. Two to Papley, singles the rest. And all four goals for the Saints singles, Butler, Membry, Billings and Windhager for what it's worth. Well, this stat more than anything tells you pretty much all you need to know about this game. That is that St Kilda kicked its second goal 15 minutes and 55 seconds into the second quarter. So not long before halftime, it kicked its second goal. Its third goal was kicked 19 minutes and 49 seconds into the final quarter. Two two quarters and four minutes of playing time elapsed between the Saints even kicking their second and third goals. And then they got another one and it was party time to finish off uh, a really, really disappointing night for them. Second stinker in a row. Uh, conversely, though, uh, pretty strong, emphatic performance by the Swans who led to rebound after a bad loss to Port, and they did. Um, what was the biggest story coming out of this, do you think? Sydney getting back on track or St Kilda now starting to look pretty shaky? No, as you know, Rowan, I, I love the the tactical or the planning side of it. And uh, uh, let's go back a week ago when Matt Guelphie sat on Jack Sinclair yep. and kicked two goals on him and did a good job. Um, it's different to what uh, Fremantle did with Sarden Doherty. I think this is where sides have, have got to really zone in to protect these areas. So what happens this week... Uh, the horse um, picks Ryan Clark yep. to sit on Jack Sinclair um, and kicks two goals on him. Sinclair only had 13 kicks. He only had 300 metres gained and he only went inside 
50 twice. Mm. So sides are now taking away, whereas the likes of Carlton have got two or three that can run. Um, if you take away Sinclair's damaging run, and that's twice in two weeks, so he's going to face in the next three games, he's going to face Carlton, Fremantle, Western Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I, I'm searching. For, I'm searching for a win for the Saints well, in just, that group. Just let me ask you on Sinclair. You you negate him, you have no Brad Hill, and all of a sudden you're looking at him and thinking that's about. 90% of their running capacity, isn't it? It's the running capacity. And um, they've moved Brad Hill a little bit more forward this year. Um, and, and you're right, Ron, there's their run. And where did St Kilda belt, uh, where did Sydney belt them? In the mobility in the run, the run of Florent and Haywood mm. and the pace of these sort of a Blakey off half back. Um, oh, oh, hang on, that's what I want to say. Jake Lloyd and Nick Blakey in similar roles had 70 possessions. Mm. So that's where I'm targeting. That's what the greatest interest to me is. Uh, the horse did his homework. Ratton left Lloyd and Blakey basically run free. There was no defensive pressure, and they've come off a loss to Brisbane, which was a good loss decimated by an out-of-form Essendon and beaten by nine goals by, that's their three weeks with these three weeks coming up. Sydney were very good. They were mobile, they were quick, they had their mind on the job, they planned it very well and they deserved their win. And I thought one really, um, the thing Longmire would probably be as happy about as anything is who who was important in this win. Now, Blakey's a guy, you know, we, we know how capable he is, but he hasn't necessarily been at the forefront of that young group of players in terms of week-in, week-out performance, but he was great in this game. The other one I thought was great for him, and he, look, I'm not saying he's not usually a contributor, but he contributed more in this game, I thought, was Florent. So you're starting to see, you know, the, the, you know Blakey and Florent in this game. Haywood, I think, has been important for them this year. So you're seeing a bigger spread of contributors. And the other one, of course, um, no Peter Adams after that brain explosion last week, but Hickey came back and was he was really important for them, I reckon. Well, they didn't have – they couldn't cope. They had to use Marshall in the ruck, took away their one of their strengths in the forward line. Yep, Ryder and Hill, um, notable admissions. They need both of those players really influencing games. It's going to be a real interesting watch this team, Rowan. Um, I'm not talking about imploding. I'm not talking about um, dropping their bundle, although I think young King needs, you know, the McCartan boys did a number on him and he just looks not just, he's only a young fella, um, not much energy about him, Rowan. Is there? Uh, not is much it? excitement, vibrancy. Um, I know they made a statement dropping Higgins, but if Higgins and Gresham aren't going and being the annoying little things they are, um, there's a real there's a real void there. There was just yeah. a real boringness about their forward half. Yeah, no, they looked flat as an absolute tack, and and yeah. it's happened a couple. Well, it happened last week. It happened in that first game of the season against Collingwood. When they're, they're, they're like the little girl with the curler saints. When they're good, they're really good. But when they're bad, they are horrid. And when they're bad, more importantly, you look at them and you think, 
do they have enough depth? And I'm starting to get that feeling about them now. And it's interesting, Jack Steele came back. He had 27 disposals, so pretty good first up game for five weeks. But did he have the impact you'd want him to have? Perhaps not. Seb Ross is the other one, 31 disposals. And I, I think there's too many times Ross gets plenty of the footy but doesn't really impact that much on a game. Um, Jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for your reaction here. Rowan, it's a hypothetical, and I'm not potting the St Kilda side in any way, shape or form. Rowan, in three weeks, they could be three games out of the eight. Oh, yeah, no, look, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a real pole. I mean, they're 10th on the ladder now after this round. They're below Richmond they were percentage. Four, th- four weeks ago. Yeah, well, the other issue with them uh, is also yeah. percentage. Their percentage isn't fantastic. In fact, they're 9% behind the Tigers, so they're level on points. So um, a season deciding next few games for them. And as you say, they've got a t- pretty tough run coming up. In fact, let's talk about what these two yep. sides have got next week. For the Swans, it is a trip to the MCG Saturday afternoon, one forty-five to play the beleaguered Bombers. So uh, tell you what, um, they made uh, short work of them first time around this season. So no reason why they wouldn't be doing that again, you'd think. Uh, for the Saints, they have Friday night football up against the Blues, 7.50 p.m. So uh, they have definitely got their work cut out for them. Uh, tough times down at Moorabbin after uh, things were looking a lot better just a couple of weeks ago. That was a massive Saturday trifecta of games and there were three games left to play on the Sunday. Well, both these teams have been struggling, uh, but someone had to come up trumps and uh, someone did. And it was the side, well, I tipped anyway. Uh, I'm not sure why. Yeah, we'll get to that. North Melbourne playing Adelaide at Blundstone Arena in Hobart. Uh, and it finished in a uh, emphatic win to the Crows by 57 points, no less. Adelaide 17, 13, 115, defeating North Melbourne 8. 10-58, uh, dual-pronged attack for the Crows. Uh, they look terrific together. This duo, dynamic duo of Taylor Walker and Darcy Fogarty. Ten goals between them. Six to Big Tex, four to Fogarty, two to Rowe and singles the rest. And for the Ruse, just the one multiple goal kicker, that was Cameron Zerha. With two, well, notable uh, day for North Melbourne with Shinboner of a century, Glenn Archer's son, Jackson, making his senior debut. It was a feel-good story. He acquitted himself quite well, I thought. Uh, got involved in a bit of a push and shove too, which I saw his old man interviewed about at halftime and he was lamenting the fact he didn't throw one during the push and shove. Those days are gone, Glenn. You really don't want him to get rubbed out. Um, they started pretty well, the Roos. It was only a goal and a bit the difference after an entertaining first quarter. But uh, that's pretty much all she wrote for the Roos because from quarter time onwards, it was 12 goals to just four. Uh, the damage done after half time, 10 goals to four after the long break. Um, winners up forward in Walker and Fogarty. Uh, winners pretty much everywhere else. Rory Laird, the possession machine, was terrific. 34 disposals, hit 11 clearances and 11 tackles. Ben Keyes had 30. Jordan Dawson, 29 off halfback. 
Uh, they dominated territory, 16 more inside 50s. North Melbourne, well, it wasn't like they couldn't get their hands on the footy. Aaron Hall had 38 disposals. Jai Simpkin, 28. He's a very consistent player for them. Hugh Greenwood had a crack. But, boy, the amount of mistakes they make, Turn, turning over the footy, <coughs> bombing the ball forward, you know, without getting a clean clearance out of congestion, et cetera, et cetera. You can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to use the corridor a bit more. I mean, points to them for trying to be a bit more attacking and generate some scores. But, God, they make a lot of mistakes. And uh, if a side as poor as Adelaide, and they haven't had a very good year, can exploit it to that extent, gives you an idea how far off the pace the Roos are. So uh, 57-point loss to one of the bottom sides. To one of the bottom sides on the ladder. Uh, You've got to ask where to from here for the Roos. Well, we're saying the same things. The margins are exactly the same. I'm not going to let you read it out again. All I know is that the alarm clock is set at 6 o'clock in the morning as Jeff Walsh strides into the car park at Arden Street to to begin his review, and it is needed. An external pair of experienced eyes, um, a young, not a young, inexperienced coach that's been an administrator, um, new president, um, new CEO, been there a couple of years, Brad Scott's gone, Carl Delina's gone, uh, James Brayshaw's gone, Okay, it is a new start, but um, this is a very good move by uh, the people at North Melbourne to ascertain exactly what is going on. It's a spiritless place at the moment, um, and that's why Adelaide won. They played Mm. with care. They played with passion. They played with some pride um, because their record's pretty average as it is, Rowan. And I thought, well, home ground advantage, North might set themselves for this one, and I gave them a chance to win. I didn't see them losing by close to 10 goals. There's some interesting um, stories coming out of this game. One of them, now, Taron Thomas, uh, now, he's he's been dropped of late for, in, you know, insufficient effort on the training track. Um, he, he looked just away with the fairies, to be honest, in this game, and it was revealed afterwards He's been struggling with the death of his grandmother. Um, but you just wonder, like, if he's that sort of far off the pace mentally, should you actually even be playing him? And playing, was, yeah. You know, there are a couple of couple of moments or non-efforts here today where I just thought... He is a Tasmanian boy, so he probably yeah. wanted to go home and play. Um, yeah, keep going. Sorry, well, mate. Well, uh, you know, David King made some strong comments about it on the... Um, during the call, I'm not having a go at him either because he wasn't to know what the, the background was. But, uh, I mean, I, I can't help thinking if they're reduced to playing guys who clearly aren't mentally in the space to be playing, uh gives you an idea uh, how much you're struggling. And they, they're just struggling in every conceivable way at the moment. It's hard to see any white at the end of a tunnel right at this stage, isn't it? Well, there is a semblance. Uh, there is a look of West Coast Eagles about them and the fact that... Um, uh, you can read out the best players from this week with the best players from last week and with the best players. Once again, the lack of um, the cream rising to the top and any semblance of its exciting young talent emerging. Look, they're showing bits and pieces. Bailey Scott, you know, young Archer wasn't, wasn't the, the worst on the ground by a long way. I'll give you about 10 worse than him. Um, 
I, I don't know why the most important player on the ground comes back into the side in Mackay. He's up against Walker and Fogarty and plays up the other end of the ground. Mm. I, I'm, I'm not sure where you're building from. Um, and Noble said, I we worked on it on the track and it looked good on the track. Um, my question again is, where are you building this side from? Yeah. Are you building it forward of centre or you're building it like everyone else does from back, um, building a solid back line and, and taking it from there? But Walker and Fogarty had 10 between them. Um, Aaron Hall is interesting player. He presents with great numbers, but maybe he's symptomatic, Rowan. He laid two tackles. Mm. He, he produced 10 turnovers. I'm taking this off the stat sheet, mm. and he only had eight pressure acts. So it's yeah. not really a physical contribution. Uh, the numbers are wonderful. No, uh, there's there's something there's something there's something amiss there. It's it's certainly yeah. not gelling together as much as anything. What about uh, the Crows now? Uh, they had three wins two years ago. They had seven wins last year. Um, they started off this year okay, really fell in a massive hole. They're up to five wins now. We had them with eight, didn't we, I think, at the end yeah, of the well, year. So, yeah. so they've got uh, eight games left to to win three. Uh, do we think they're on track with where they should be? I reckon they'll finish exactly the same round. Yeah. I think they'll find two with the possibility of a three. Yeah. So they might win more games. Um they're dealing with Walker's contract at the moment. Oh, it's so important he continues. Yeah, I was um, going to say, it's an interesting contrast to West Coast, isn't it? Because we're talking about a West Coast getting any value out of uh, the best players continuing oh, to be yeah. veterans. But you look at Adelaide and you can see value with Walker, can't you? Because he's clearly a good mentor and teacher well, for Fogarty. Thilthorpe, Fogarty and yep. Gallant, who Correct. have disappeared off the face of the earth at the moment. But mm. that's okay. They They need him. And yep. um, yeah, okay, all right, you done? Yep, yeah, okay. And um, <laughs> all the best to Jeff Walsh tomorrow morning. Yes, well, it's uh, want to be getting in there bright and early, I suspect. Um, all right, what have both these teams got next week? Adelaide uh, playing Melbourne at home. Adelaide Oval, four thirty-five next Saturday. That is a twilight game. And uh, for the Roos, well, it doesn't get well, any one of the toughest road trips, if not the toughest road trip in footy, down the Geelong Road to GMHBA Stadium where well, they play on Saturday evening, 7.25pm. Maybe, maybe one of those avert your eyes jobs. Okay, that was the first game on the Sunday card. Let's talk about the one in the middle. Collingwood took on Greater Western Sydney at the MCG Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Pies, so won again their fifth in a row by just 11 points. So a bit of a scare there right at the finish. Inaccuracy, though, perhaps making the scores closer than they should have been. Talk about inaccuracy. Collingwood, 11-22-88, defeating GWS 12-5-77. In other words, 33 scores to 17 for an 11-point win. They made hard work of it uh, for the Pies. Two goals to Cameron, two to Elliott, two to Henry, two to Majacek, singles the rest. For GWS, four to Hogan, two to Riccardi, and singles the rest. Well, 
Uh, the Pies, a good uh, six goals plus up at the final change. Wet conditions, and you think, oh, this is just going to wind down to a gentle and very comfortable win. But GWS, to their credit, they found something in, the, in that last quarter, and they came very, very hard. So hard that when Jesse Hogan kicked a goal, they were back within 16 points with a bit under five minutes left on the clock. Ball went back to the middle. Quick clearance. Toby Green kicked another one. All of a sudden, with four minutes, 17 still left on the clock, it was just 10 points, the difference. Um, They attacked hard again, the Giants, but uh, all hope lost for them when uh, Jack Genevan, gee, he can draw a free or some uh, antagonistic behaviour from opponents, can't he? He did so again, and O'Halloran for the Giants conceded a 50-metre penalty, and that was all she wrote. Uh, So the Pies winning the game as you'd expect they should have in the end, but uh, making some hard work of it. How'd you see this one? Oh, intriguing. It was good because we've got a team that um, uh, the kick less goals than the opposition, but didn't they dominate the uh, the scoreboard shots, you know, 33 to 17, as you said. Um, this game was nearly sport or probably sport, no, nearly sport by something I never ever talk about. This is the first time I've ever said this. Some of the most extraordinary umpiring decisions I've seen in a long time. Uh, the the deliberate to more under extreme pressure on his hands and knees contesting, and the ball went through. And well, hang on, let me. Well, I'll tell yeah. you why he paid that one because uh, he ruled that he made contact with the ball from outside the square, which is automatic. Doesn't matter if you're under pressure right or not. Right. Right, but, well, but, you have but, corrected the, the millions of Collingwood supporters. I'm glad you did that. No, but there's an important right. but there, though, because the bone of contention was that more what Moore claimed to the umpire was that he had hit the ball again after kicking it before the ball crossed the goal line. I think he did right and, on the line. And I think he yeah. did too. So I think I... I think I'm the, right then. I'll stick to my guns. You're sort of right. I think the umpire got it wrong, but what he paid had he not touched it, would have been right. Gotcha. Okay. I'm with you. Any and then two fifties, one, two fifties by an umpire against um, against Collingwood. Look, um, one for moving on the mark and then the other one, I thought you are allowed to uh, ask them with your hands out now. But an they've, umpire... They've, they've, they've been a lot more lenient on it lately. Yeah, they weren't this time then, and that was a 100-metre penalty. I shouldn't go on that. Uh, Himmelberg into the ruck was a good one. He's had another huge day, centre-half back in the back. Um, I just thought overall they always looked a class above them, Rowan. They mm. wasted opportunities with goal-kicking um, and always seemed very to have a very comfortable buffer of around three-and-a-half goals. So around 24... 18 to 24 points, um, not doing it easily. But there was something about GWS. They they were gone. They they managed to will themselves back into the contest. Uh, Himmelberg went to the ruck. He was mobile uh, because Cameron and Cox have been dominating against Lockie Keep. So that gave them a little bit. And they got on top in the midfield. They went forward. Uh, they had a good target in Hogan who – Contested strongly all day. He's kicked another four goals this time. Uh, but I think Collingwood were able to generate far more play from behind the ball. Sidebottom had a good day. They moved Pendlebury back. Um, 
And, of course, uh, Maynard did a very, very good job on Toby Green. I want to ask you, is Spike McVeigh potentially doing himself out of this job permanently by their uh, seeming inability to stop side scoring? Um, I, gee, that's an interesting question. Um, he certainly freed them up and they do look a better side, if that makes sense. Yeah, but they're, they're they more have positive conceded, side, but they leak a lot of scores. They leak a lot of scores. That's a fact. Will that come into the discussion if he has an interview? You bet it will. Mm. But maybe he's releasing the pressure valve. Uh, we don't know how Leon coached. It looks like Mark coaches the opposite way, which I'm finding a little bit strange knowing Mark. I think he would be a very balanced coach, but he's certainly come in and turned it around from what everyone was critical of long, slow, up the line, to quite a daring, uh, attacking uh, setup. But as you said, Ron, if you can't close the barn door once the horse is bolted, I don't know whether that's the analogy, but it's close enough. You know what I mean. Yes, it would be a concern, and it's a concern to me. Well, let's talk about Collingwood because uh, some stupid pundits predicted uh, gloom and doom for them this year. We won't mention them by name, um, but they're very stupid and suitably chastened as a result. Uh, but, look, things are looking great. They're seventh on the ladder and um, looking even better when you have a look at their draw. Now, we'll do the same exercise for them. I'm going to read you their draw very quickly. Yes. Don't hesitate. Give me a win or a loss here. So, next week, they're playing Gold Coast at Metricon. Loss. Kangaroos at the MCG. Win. Adelaide and Adelaide. Win. Essendon at the MCG. Win. Port Adelaide at the MCG. Win. Melbourne at the MCG. Loss. Sydney at the SCG. Loss. Carlton at the MCG. Loss. Okay, so what's that? Oh. You didn't keep count, did you? Nah. If there's eight to go, <laughs> I, went, I went four and four. Four and four, okay. We'll say four and four uh, at the moment. That would give them uh, 13, which gets you in. We reckon in. 13 gets you in. I reckon That's all that matters. They're in. I support yeah, well, be enough <laughs> to make me look even more stupid than I already do. Uh, let's talk about next week for both these sides, what we just did with Collingwood, but uh, we'll just do that again. Uh, big game against Gold Coast at Metricon Stadium. I tell you what, if they can win that one, uh, absolutely finals, uh, definitely more likely than not. That's Saturday night, 7.25 p.m. Gold Coast and Collingwood. Uh, GWS, they have got a home game at Giant Stadium against Hawthorne on Sunday afternoon at 3.20. Okay, one game left in round 15, and uh, this one was a cracker. Well, not too long ago, you would have been looking at this game and thought, oh, geez, that's a bit drab. But this one promised to be a pretty good game. Two sides with finals hopes squarely on the line and both played like it. This was a great game. It was intense. It was really tough contest. Some great footy played, some controversial moments uh, and tight the whole way through and tight right to the end. 
saw Port Adelaide emerge victors over Gold Coast by just two points. The final score was Port Adelaide 13-15, 93, defeating Gold Coast 13-13-91. Power getting off to a better start, three goals up at the first break. But Gold Coast pushing really hard through the second and third quarters. Third quarter was just a great quarter of footy, six goals to the Power and five to the Suns, and then really tough final turn with Gold Coast kicking another three goals. The power just hanging on with a single goal. Plenty of drama in the finish of this game too. I'm looking at my notes and I've written notes all over the place. Uh, Holman threatened to pinch the game. He kicked a a steal in the goal square uh, and with two minutes 24 left on the clock, Port led by two points. A big moment, Sam Powell Pepper's Clinch tackle on Took Miller with a minute 30 left. Might have just won Port the game. Uh, Xavier Dersma kicked out in the full with 50 seconds left. Um, the ball went forward. Charlie Ballard marked. Bizarre what he did next. I, I thought, get move the ball on. He was outside 50 and almost decided like he was going to take the, the shot to win or lose. And I thought, okay, well, you backed yourself. But then he didn't try to kick it. He just chipped it to the top of the goal square. Uh, was rushed out of bounds. A handball by Willem Drew. Was that insufficient intent? Many people would argue it was. Just enabled them to hang on, though. It was a um, close one, wasn't it? It yep. was It was an absolutely ripping game of footy, this. And uh, Port win. They keep their finals hopes alive. And Gold Coast, well, their finals hopes still alive as well. Great game. How did you see it? Yeah, I think we're down to um, both those sides um, still still in with the hunt. The door's still open down to 12th. Um, I love the game. Um, I wasn't surprised. The Port Adelaide home ground advantage, um, hanging on to that chance to uh, get into the eight. And the continued consistency of uh, Marshall. And another thing, another four goals from him. And I'm glad Georgiades is back into that side. Because I think these two young players are the future. They're very good young forwards. And, of course, at the other end, there's also a consistency element about uh, Chole and Casbolt. They've kicked another five between them. They haven't let the Suns down in any way, shape or form this year. No, they haven't. And just talk about a, a, a game of inches, which was the case at the end. I'm glad you mentioned maybe or Chole because um, he's ended up with three, but he was literally like a couple of millimetres from having at least five. He, he hit the post twice, just yeah. flicked the post twice within the space of five or ten minutes. Um, someone else hit the post in the last quarter, I think Ainsworth. Yeah. So they had their chances, the Suns. And uh, I'll tell you what, if nothing else, and if they don't make the finals, you will at least look at them and say, this is a far more resilient side than we've ever seen Gold Coast put on the park before because – uh, Port were pretty dominant early and three goals up a quarter time could have actually been a bit more. And previously, that would be the end of the Suns. But they came back and they've done that consistently this year. So credit to Stuart Dew. He's really instilled a much tougher streak in this side. Also, Isaac Rankin. Um, he three got goals. In, yeah, he also got injured at a pretty inopportune time and had to go off for a little bit. But, yeah, his capacity to come back from what looked like a really – Tough knock, hurt his shoulder, uh, still managed to get back on. Um, yeah, there's just – you're finally looking at Gold Coast and thinking this isn't a basket case. There's some real 
talent here and young talent that can do something for a few years. Well, I tip them to beat Collingwood next week, basically on the gut view and the fact that uh, they've got a very sustained game plan. Uh, that's a night game, isn't it, right? Yes, that's a night game, 7.25. I, I don't think the Pies are a bad side in the wet and, and the greasy conditions, which will uh, which will eventually come down on the Gold Coast. But, um, like, they're a very simple side, and that's a, that's a credit to them. That's not a knock on them. They got beaten 102 marks... To 59. They don't mess around with the ball. They don't chip. They don't accumulate possessions. They had 24 and half tackles, which is a great effort. They kept themselves in the game when, as you said, it just looked a little bit wobbly, but they were a resilient mob. And when they weren't losing, when they weren't winning early, they stuck to this clearance, contested and direct theme that they've got. And it's and it stood it stood the test of time. It's really helped them. We'll just tell you what either side has okay. on the agenda next week. Uh, Port Adelaide have got a road trip to Perth to take on Fremantle at Optus Stadium, 5.20pm Eastern time. Next well, you might know your answer quicker than you thought. Afternoon. Yeah, true. That's true. That will very much test them. Gold Coast, as we discussed before, Big Saturday night game for them against Collingwood at how, Metricon. Just quickly, Rowan, Collingwood are where and how far ahead of Gold Coast? Uh, Collingwood, as we speak, are eighth on the uh, – they're seventh on the ladder and <laughs> they are two games ahead of Gold Coast. So this is, a, this is your traditional 12-point game. 12-point game. <laughs> yeah, well, there'll be three games ahead if they win. Oh, okay. I thought they were called eight-point games, those ones, but uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, I see what you mean. All right. Well done. Okay. Um, that was it. What a fantastic oh. round of That's one of the best rounds of footy for a long time, isn't it? But it hasn't had much to beat, though, Rowan. Come on. Oh, okay. All right. Be like that. Over the years, <laughs> you know, with the COVID and games everywhere, it's yeah. been... It's been a tough couple of years and uh, uh, it's just great to see footy of that standard um, with people coming back to watch footy, live footy, uh, played at that level. Yeah. So well done to those teams that really gave us some great spectacle. Finishing with the uh, the Port Gold Coast game at 4.10 this afternoon. It was a ripper. Um, well done to all sides involved. Well done to everyone who turned up. Well done to us for watching it all and uh, giving you a full rundown on it. Oh, um, dear. <laughs> thanks very much to our official Footyology podcast partners, Palmerbet. Uh, you get tackle-busting benefits all season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. You can support us at the ACAST supporter page wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can become an official Footyology patron uh, by clicking on one of the many links to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent media, writing and publishing, and uh, those links are all over the Footyology website. Check it out. Plenty of footy. We've got uh, the wrap, Shane Hope's wrap of this fantastic round. Uh, we've got uh, some great basketball stuff at the moment. If you're a Hoops fan, uh, Jared Prosser, very learned man on American basketball, is doing season review on all 30 NBA teams. And we've got some other wow. great writing as well. Warwick McFadgen writes for us. Andrew Gardner writes for us about all manner of things, politics, society, 
music, you name it. We write about it, Footyology. Check it out. And if you can support us, $7 a month makes you an official Footyology patron. Uh, thanks for your company again, everyone. We will be back with our midweek preview next Wednesday morning. We'll see you then. Bye.